What's going on, everybody? You're tuning into another episode of 2010 Minutes. I am your host, Tim McCarthy. Today, we have on host of the Knocking Doors Down podcast, Jason Lachance. Jason, how the hell are you? I am awesome, my brother, and uh, cool to finally be talking with you. We've only talked about this for like two years or some shit. So, for real, you were like one of the first early people. Anyone listening, this is one of my other Twitter, Instagram friends. You know what's funny, too? I was still into it and I couldn't really figure out who was who. And we talked on Twitter. And then you followed me on Instagram and I sent you the same pretty much message on Instagram. You're like, yeah, dude, uh, we talked on Twitter. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, we did. That's how bad I am with like stuff like that. But that's wicked funny. Yeah, I always something always comes up and we had to reschedule or it didn't work out. But I'm glad we're yeah. finally here today. I was just on Jason's show, had a blast. Don't know when it's coming out, but listen to that one after this. If you listen to this one first or vice versa. Yeah. Hey, pay, both subscribe to both. If this is first time for either, subscribe. Yeah. Or you content. can just play them both at the same time. It would be like, what is it? Uh, uh, I'm saying Pink Leonard. Uh, <laughs> what band is that? You link Pink, it up with Pink, Pink Floyd. Floyd. Pink what? Leonard. Like Leonard, <laughs> Leonard Skinner and Pink Floyd had a band. Uh, <laughs> it's like when you link up uh, Wizard of Oz with two different tracks. That's how pretty much uh, those two podcasts would be. Playable. Yeah, it's Pink Floyd's what Dark Side of the Moon album or something. Yeah. They say you can like who figured who that is some stoner shit to figure out. Oh you know? my god! It's like someone uh, must have just been like, "Hey, play some background music with the uh, Wizard of Oz," and someone just hit play. They're like, "Wait a minute, dude! This is..." Weird. <laughs> oh my god! I uh, usually do this with all my guests. What's uh, what does mental health mean to you? Um, you know, really, it's just um, one of my big sayings. Like, when working with people now, doing a little more sponsor work. No outside solutions to inside problems. It's really just checking my stuff. Um, daily you know as you know from our talks you know alcoholic i tried a vast majority of the drugs never injected anything uh, another no no psychedelics or anything like that but kind of yeah for the most part pretty much everything else except for i think heroin and of course fentanyl out there yeah. so through that and um you know my my childhood sexual trauma that included early exposure to porn it's like these are just the things i have to keep in check that the, there is no outside solution to that internal problem of mine that these things are there you know i got to check them i got to i got to maintain me otherwise I, you know addicts were sneaky we can get away with shit and uh, i had to accept that about myself so you know, for me, it's just really about doing those self-checks. Like, am I being genuine? Am I being authentic um, uh, when I'm down? Am I communicating that to to my special people, my kids, my girlfriend? We all live together. Uh, my coworkers, you know, because um, I swing from anxiety and depression. You know, anxiety is pretty much a daily thing. Never knew I had it until I got clean and sober. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, what is this thing? Oh, I have anxiety. <laughs> um, and really, you know, being a service to others, um, you know, like like talking with you on here, you know, yeah. my pod, the work that I do with nonprofit work, that's my primary um, income, great organization called Parents and Addicts in Need. So, you know, it's it's kind of a checklist for me of things, you know, it's not a short answer. And as long as I'm doing my best every day to kind of hit some of those things that are in conjunction with my values, then I think I'm taking care of my mental health pretty good, you know. You got to check yourself before you wreck yourself, sir. Absolutely. Chickity check yourself. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> Let's start off with the podcast. What's the story behind Knocking Doors Down and Knocking Doors Down Media? Uh, all right. So quick story. Um, Carlos Vieira, uh, he's a gentleman here, a philanthropist, uh, his family does very well in the sweet potato industry in, in central California. Uh, he had a cocaine addiction. He got clean and we got, we became buddies, friends now after, uh, he had gotten clean and started, uh, racing stock cars. I come from a long line of motorsports in my family. And, um, Bumped into him at the store, said, hey, I'm going to write. Uh, I got something going on. I'll get a hold of you in 30 days time, you know, three hours later. Uh, all right. So I'm writing my book. I think a podcast would be a really great supplemental thing for it. I know you're doing podcasts, you know, um, just for fun. What do you think about doing this one? Just talking about people turning their adversities into their advantages. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And um, that, you know, that's literally how it came together, you know, uh, 
in, looking back at it, it's such an honor because I was the only person that he really had a lot of trust in to accept, hey, I can't do this podcast, but I think you can really have the voice of what I want to get across here. And, and Carlos does so much in our community. He's got his own foundation, free programs for kids to do after school stuff, staying out of gangs, off the streets, away from drugs. Um, families with children with autism, which my son has Asperger's autism spectrum. Um, I mean, just direct scholarships to really help these families with so many uh, costs adding up. And then another scholarship for um, teens uh, going on to post-secondary school that either they themselves are affected by mental health, someone in their family, or they're already doing something in their school to help others. And so it's really like a beautiful thing. Like somehow, how did I end up being a part of this stuff? The nonprofit I work for now uh, was the 2021 nonprofit of the year. I still help with the Carlos Vieira Foundation is the 2022 nonprofit of the year. These are both for the state of California. And somehow I ended up in this shit and all I had to do was get sober, which sounds simple. <laughs> Did you know who Carlos was when you saw him? Oh, yeah. Um, weird thing. He came into the uh, radio station that I worked at at the time and um, he was there for an interview. And that's literally how it started. So now is that the grocery store? What aisle did you find them in? Uh, feminine hygiene. Okay. That's how I need all my guys. <laughs> that's right. That's where we always bump in. That's a, Hey, if you're a good partner, you have shopped in that aisle. Trust yep, me. Exactly. Um, no, I, uh, like canned goods or something, but we kind of followed each other throughout the store. Like, hey, oh, you, you're uh, your shopping neighbor that you always see when you go yeah. down the aisles. Yeah, yeah, that's always fun. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, our uh, like I said, he came into the radio station, you know, this 14, 15, 14 years ago, and we just kind of became buddies and kept in touch. And he started the uh, 5150 energy drink, which, uh, in his book, he outlines the, the 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 last time he got arrested when he finally got clean that night because he's running around high on coke, knocking on doors. Uh, literally, that's how it not he was listening to pimp C's knocking doors down. So he thought it was a good idea to go knock on everybody's door in the neighborhood, and he got a fifty one fifty. Thus, he had the energy drink, the lifestyle brand, and then the book knocking doors down. Oh. Awesome. Yeah. Knocking doors down. Uh, very underrated podcast, my friend. I feel like, Thank like you. I told you, it's it's out there. It's one of the greats. What are some of the guests that you've had on? I know you've had like Bam Majera on. Yeah, you've had Ric Flair on. What are some other big names that you have? Uh, Charlie Sheen twice. Uh, Kat Von D. Um, Kurt Angle's been on. Um, Kelly Osborne. She was such a blast. What a beautiful person. Oh, really? That yeah, she was she was great. We went and ate, she she came she came to do the interview and her sponsor came with her and um uh she was just like, yeah, I my 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 management told me I needed to come talk to you and we were the first person she spoke to after her relapse and um just beautiful. We went and ate dinner with her afterwards and um couldn't have said just more good things about her. Hilarious. Oh my God. My mom was like, I love her, but she says the F word too much mm -hmm. in the podcast. And so I made an edited version for my mom. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. I gave her a special URL for it. So, um, yeah. Um, God, there's so many wonderful. Caitlin Jenner was one of the, the early ones, you know, um, I was really interested in gender dysphoria, um, due to seeing it in my own households going on right now with one of my children and a uh, beautiful person. I mean, we sat and wrapped out in, about motorsports and all kinds of stuff after. And um, yeah, it's been a hell of a journey. Uh, some beautiful people. Um, one of my favorites still has become a mentor though, more known in the mental health and addiction communities, a guy named Dr. Rob Kelly. If you haven't talked to him, I recommend it. Uh, what a beautiful man and crazy story of addiction to now helping so many people. That's fantastic. Kelly Osborne has a great, great accent. Oh yeah. Oh, it was so cute. Uh, Tim, I got to tell you, nobody's saying fuck so much. Sounded so cute. <laughs> I, was like, I even told her, I'm like, I'm like, you know, I know your parents just let it fly, but coming out of you, I'm like, it's really cute. And she just got a giggle out of it. And she's yeah. like, yeah, you know, my boyfriend says I say it too much too. And I was like, hey, you go ahead, Kelly. Uh, 
Now, you said you dealt with anxiety. How would you explain anxiety to somebody? Because I feel like everyone has their own little like um, mm. ex- explanation for it. What is yours? Well, for me, it tends to be morning. Um, sometimes it'll linger. I don't know about you, but when it, in the morning and I just wake up, I'm, I'm out of breath. My chest is pounding. I get immediately overwhelmed by the day. And my mind will run through the checklist of everything I got to do. But it doesn't just run through the completed list. It runs through the start to finish of each task. Yeah. So that's kind of for me where it goes. And it really shuts me down. And um, that's why I get swings from anxiety to depression. Uh, oftentimes, uh, you know, the anxiety hangover is very real. I don't know. Do you have them? Like after you get bad anxiety that like afterwards, you just feel really disconnected, lethargic. My general anxiety, I would say, I, I don't have that. It's very interesting though, to hear that. My, I try to harness mine for good in a way where I know I'm anxious. I need to find, I need to release it somehow. And comedy is a big one. So like, I'll have those like uh, intrusive thoughts where I'll be at like a CVS. I feel like my my flies down and my standing <laughs> right. Are people judging me? And then I'll be in my head of like, when's if I just tickled this guy in front of me? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what would happen? Um, so I try to harness it a little bit for good, and it's not easy whatsoever. But no explain that like the hangover yeah so for me just at the end when the the anxiety sub- subsides because i'll have it um where it can go on for hours you know i've i've done many uh, interviews uh, um i had someone ask me like how would i know if you're having anxiety i'm like uh go through this episode on knocking doors down i think kat von d i had it real bad that morning and we went to her house um, big fan of, of, of her work, her tattoo yep. work and, and her husband, uh, Rafael, uh, Reyes of prayers. I'm a big fan of his band and you know what he does. And so it was like, whatever my head, like, Oh, this is gonna be terrible. These people aren't going to really want to, you know, talk to me. Yeah. And, um, I've had it where it, it'll run throughout, but when it subsides, it's, it literally has a lot of similarities to me from alcohol hangover. I can get headaches. Um, disorientated, uh, drowsy, uh, you know, I mean, there's a multitude just sometimes my, I have to take a nap. I'll, I'll take a pillow, put it on my chest, hug the shit out of it. And I just got to take a nap. That's what I do, man. I always, well, my cats always jump on my chest. So it's kind of like a a defect for them, but no, I know exactly what you mean, man. Yeah. So it, you know, it's just something I live with, but I never knew I had it really till I got clean. You know, that man, I'd had that since I was a kid. Yeah. I'm always anxious before all my interviews. I can relate to that where I'm like, this is going to be bad. Not in a sense of like my guest is bad. It's like, do I have enough? (laughs) Am I have enough? (laughs) Like I just go down the whole list. I know how it is. Uh, Before we get into your um, addiction with depression, how do you cope with that? What are some coping mechanisms for you? Are you medicated? What do you do? Yeah, uh, I did actually just start taking uh, Wellbutrin. Um, I hadn't been on medication since I was about 19. I just turned 43. But a beautiful lady in my life, the encouragement, like literally, she was like, if you had a heart issue, would you take medication? Yeah, but that's my heart. She goes, yeah, but this is your brain. Yeah. I was like, shit. (laughs) So so I did start taking it. It's been almost a month. Um, nice. So I am noticing, you know, more of a anxiety still there, but I'm not swinging into the depression, um, that I would feel usually at night of, uh, was when I was feeling most depression, um, being a lot more productive now too. So for, for me, again, not a doctor here, people, but nope. for me, I am finding a good result, a very low dose. And I work closely in communicating with my doctor cause I do have some other issues, uh, um, and uh, my uh, urologist, yeah, the PP doctor, mm-hmm. um, believes that I've had low testosterone ever since puberty. So I do also take testosterone injections. Again, working closely with my doctor, his advisement, because they did blood work, Tim, and they're like, man, you got the testosterone of a 70-year-old man. I'm like, well, can it be Ric Flair's testosterone? Yeah, that guy seriously. Uh, so yeah, so those two things. Um big part of just recovery for me in general, mental health, getting out, connecting with nature and, and connecting with people that matter. So those two things really help. Like, um, when I was in my, my addiction, I was not checking in with anyone. There's people willing to help me, but not me being there for others. So, so lately I found, Hey, I'm being there more for people and just showing up. One of my best friends is mom passed, just showing up, 
we worked together in radio this morning went by just checked in with them so those things like really helped me that that fellowship is incredibly important fuck depression what are some other things that make you happy oh man uh chilling with my kids when i get them going uh last night my girlfriend and i we got onto asmr and so it was almost like she's like you need to do stand-up because i was doing this all right now everything's good you're feeling good you're feeling good now you want to show jason your boobs show me <laughs> so you know it just it just had a cracking up man i love laughter um Big motorsports guy, you know, chilling out on the weekend, catching my F1, my IndyCar, my uh, NASCAR here and there, stuff like that. Um, build Legos. I'm a Lego fanatic, so, you know, it's too expensive now. But, uh, yeah, stuff like that, just my people connecting with them, man. That's, that's like, where I find the most joy. Um, solo stuff, I get out, go to the gun range, archery range, uh, jump on my mountain bike. That's kind of my dude shit, you know, like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm rugged. I know how to properly, safely handle firearms and yeah. I'm a law abiding citizen, so I can. Um, but yeah, I, I, I dig that stuff. I'm not, not as extreme as I used to be. I chilled out with the, the mountain bike and I don't go, you know, full, full tits out down the mountain anymore. It's kind of like, okay, we're going to chill on this a little bit now around the neighborhood's good. Would you rather take a football to the nose or step on a Lego? oh dude i've had both so they both suck but yeah yeah probably the football <laughs> all right right because because the lego like it, it's usually at night right yep. and, and you say you're just fuck and then you bump something else so uh give me the football i don't know dude if it, it, it depends on who's throwing it man yeah, that's true depends you, you on kid, your kid threw it Oh yeah, no, definitely. They would miss me about a thousand times, so I go there. There's nothing that buckles you even more than a Lego, though. Like your knee, oh. like pops, like you go down. Oh yeah, dude. Like I, I'm not. We're both pro wrestling fans. Yep. I'm not a big death ma match guy at all. Like mm. it doesn't do it Damn. for me. I don't like seeing people. But but I've seen a couple where they'll pour out the Legos and the dude like does a backdrop or something. You're like, oh, okay. That, I'm done right there. I'm going to puke. Yeah, I dude, know that's, what that's like. That's gnarly. Like, I would rather see someone go through a table than go on a bunch of Legos. Oh, yeah. Dude, it's the shits, man. Uh, so you dealt with addiction for quite some time. How and when did that battle start? Um, You know, the alcohol, I was a late bloomer with substances. I didn't really... It, it, flashing back, I had my first drink at about seven, but it was like a sip of beer. Um, but through high school, I was like the dude that got people home. They're too drunk or high. And, um, cause I grew up in a home of addiction. So it didn't really kick in for me, like even going out drinking till like 22, 23. And then I would say it took off oddly about that point where our brain matures about 26, 27. Um, and yeah, it was, it was full bore until about five years ago. So about 38, 39 is when I really started years? Uh, no, I'm continuously oh. right now. I've been sober for almost 19 months. I had a fall off during the pandemic. Um, a very Sorry. short one. Thank goodness. Yeah. But, but I learned a lot, dude. It helped me like, Oh, I still got a boundary issue. I have to confront here. Yeah. So yeah, it sucks, but I learned from it. Um, luckily, you know, I didn't decide to drive or, you know, not that any addiction is good, but you know, I couldn't imagine if I was a guy that was a, a heroin addict or a pill popper or whatever and got some fentanyl and was gone because of it, you know. So I'm lucky enough that I was able to learn that lesson from it. But if you combine all of it, it's probably about a good four and a half years of sobriety. How did it feel when you relapsed there? Um, different than before because I had had relapses. I had had two, three before. Um, but it felt different because don't remember driving to the store to get the booze and I was sober. It was almost like a sober blackout moment. And I've heard other addicts say this, um, and I'm on the third beer and I reached out to two people, one who is now my sponsor, another one who is just a brilliant light in the recovery community, a guy named Tony Hoffman really just a switched on awesome awesome person and they are both there for me and it it it, it uh 
solidified like that, reach out, get help. There are people that were there. There's people that have done it same as you, worse than you, less than you, not judging. And these two guys, man, what, you know, sponsor t- texting away with me like, dude, I'm going to get to bed. Tony stayed up with me till like four in the morning, if I remember correctly. And it was just awesome. like, like, wow. Okay. Um, I want to be there for people like that. So that felt different because that was never present. And the holy shit, I've got this big boundary issue, which plays into my other addiction, which is a sex and love, primarily pornography, which I was exposed to at about six, seven years old. And that lasted throughout my life, really, if you figure six to 41. So, you know, take all those years of that being in my life. And that was the hardest thing because I really had to confront due to being molested as a kid that a lot of that was around insecurity and that was my earliest escapism. Is it tough when you're out in public and how annoying is it when people are like, how come you're not drinking tonight? Why are you? <laughs> um, yeah, no, because I'm kind of a wise ass like you yeah, and yeah. snarky and I go, well, I could, but guess what? You won't get home till about seven o'clock. And I don't mean tomorrow morning. I mean, a few days yep. and it looks like you got a ring on your finger. So fuck that. That's going to go out the door, <laughs> you know? And so, so people go, oh, okay. And I go, you know, or I just don't drink. I've gotten to that point. Yeah. I, you know, I don't No, Thank you. I don't drink. It's, it's gotten more simple for me, but the people that press, they get the big story, you know? And it's like, oh, you didn't expect to get 15 minutes of my time out of your question. Did you give any pushback when you tried to get help? Um, I sat in denial. I sat in denial. And I think, you know, my parents knew, my family knew, but nobody really pushed on me any um, because uh, my dad going through it. And I think he really counseled them that it's like, he's going to have to come to this on his own terms, you know? Um. And I don't know if they sat in denial too, because there were times where, you know, my dad and I go to a, a short track stock car race and he'd buy me a couple beers or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely, I was like, ah, oh, it's just kind of another coping thing till it wasn't, it, it became a dependency. I was no longer the guy going out, having a couple beers or with the guys or friends. Um, uh, it became the uh, reclusive hiding it, uh, you know, uh, okay, my, my kids are asleep. Um, I'll have a couple. No. Then you wake up the next morning thinking, boy, I bought a 12 pack. Why is there a a 30 pack also halfway empty Yeah, where it was dependency that, that if it went through the end of the day, the DTs kicked in. So, you know, it, it became, yeah, it was my top priority. And once it was like, yeah, you better recognize that. Um, cause you're going to lose your kids, which, I can't do mm-hmm. that. That would be the death of me. And you're going to lose your job, which I've always been into broadcasting at the time was just in radio. And I, I loved it. It's something I wanted to do and was interested since I was a kid. So it's like those two things that go away, the thing you love, the, the what you love the most and the thing you love the most about yourself, you're going to lose them. And so it was really that confronting it. Um, I really, I was like the last year, year and a half of my radio career. Very interesting. Now, are you a sponsor to somebody? Uh, yeah, I sponsor uh, uh, working with two people. It's kind of remote, um, okay. but but yeah. So, what is, I, uh, what's that about? Because I, I always wondered, like, what does a sponsor actually do for somebody? Like, obviously, like someone to talk to. But is there anything that like people don't really know? Yeah, for me, and I, I've had uh, two really good ones, man. You know, as a twelve-step guy. It works for me. May not be everybody's path. I always recommend it. I think they should have a 12-step program in high schools that's just not targeted at any one thing, but really yeah. just for life in general. The principles that you know, uh, uh, Dr. Bob and Bill W. that they laid out was, is just brilliant. So for me, it's been doing what my sponsors did, taking me through the big book, highlighting different stuff, really learning how to kind of um, utilize the program in a non-selfish way of servitude. It's weird. It's like you're taking in all this stuff, but then you find yourself helping others more so with it. You know, sharing your story seems to cut it in half for people. And the more you can divide that, that pie, it's like, you think, oh, 
I don't know about you, Tim. I'm a big pizza guy. You buy a large, you only get so many slices. But the weird thing is when you share like the recovery with others, the pizza just gets bigger. It's yeah. it's odd. It's like there's enough for everybody here. So kind of walking them through that, you know, connecting them with other people for my sponsors. Just uh, like one of them now, it's just, dude, you got to make your bed every day and send me a picture. Making them accountable to somebody, you know, like. You can lie to yourself, but you're not going to lie to me until you start realizing that it's going to feel really bad if you keep lying to yourself. So, you know, just just those little things like that, you know, uh, uh, the guy, Tony Hoffman, I was mentioning, he's like, you are going to brush your teeth two times a day and then tell me about it. You know, it's like these weird little yeah. like challenges that all of a sudden you're like, fuck, I didn't know how to take care of myself. I didn't love myself. Something as simple as brushing your teeth. Uh, and not doing it is like, it's about self-care. And once you start to care about yourself, like the energy just changes with people. And so kind of helping them realize that like first year sucks. Second year is going to be really tough. Cause you're going to, that's when your brain's going to, um, start getting a lot more clarity and you're going to start taking in a lot more shit and your boundaries are going to be pushed. Some people are going to have to go away. They just are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might be people that you love dearly. Uh, I've been through it. There's people I just, nope, not good for me. Not going to do it. Sorry. So yeah, that's kind of for me where I'm at with my guys. They're pretty early on um, in the process. You're pretty good. uh, An interviewee because you just knocked out like two more of my questions. So (laughs) that's great. What's the, uh, what's the hardest step in the 12 step program? If there is one. Depends on who you are. I think. Um, what about for you? For me, it was, I think, making amends. Um, and it wasn't that I'm a pretty empathetic guy, uh, but it was that, you know, we, we talk a lot about rigorous honesty. And I think is when I had to get rigorously honest to drop my victimhood and accept it. No matter what, there's certain people that deserve an apology, whether or not whatever they did to you, mm-hmm. don't worry about that apology. And that was the tough thing for me to accept it. It's like, doesn't matter. It's about you making your amends where they need to be made. If it comes around, okay. If it doesn't, that's okay too. Those people are on their own path. You know, let them own their own thoughts and feelings. So I was like, you know, four step work where you're writing it out and you got like, 25 pages of stuff where you got to apologize to people, you know, apologize to Susie for, uh, you know, not to be grabbed for, for, uh, having an orgasm, then leaving after, you know, or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, it could be that simple to, uh, uh, you know, and I say that cause I was always drunk in those situations and yeah, scenarios, right. um, just to, to, to major stuff, you know, to, to, really letting people down. Um, I never got so low that I was stealing from anyone, but, um, you know, definitely not showing up my best friend. Um, I missed his grandmother's funeral. Another one of my good friends, uh, missed his mom's funeral. And these were people that were there for me, yeah. you know, cause I was too hung over, um, apologizing to, to my dad because, um, when his mom passed, I drove four hours and I was drinking the whole time going to my grandma's funeral and, and hung over the next day where he wanted me to speak. And I didn't, I spoke for like 10 seconds because I was so hung over. So, you know, there's a lot of those things where it's like, yeah, you selfish dick, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's just a part of it. But I think once you get through that and start to uh, just wipe out your victimhood, man, you're in some, such a much better place. You're a strong human, man. I know we only known each other for quite some time, but you're, I'm proud of you. Thank you. That's that means easy. a lot. Yeah, man. It's Life isn't easy, and when you have those demons with you and to battle them and to practically almost win, like you had your setbacks, but you're winning, and oh, that's all that you. matters in life, man. And I, Not many people can do that, and you're out there trying to help them, so that just goes to show the type of character and person you are. I just wanted to make, I just wanted to make sure you knew that. Thank you. That really means a lot to me. More, more than you, you want to see, you want to get someone to cry. I'm a crier, man. <laughs> I'm gonna hold it in. Yeah, I'll text you a picture later when I tell tell Cassandra, my girlfriend, that like Tim, uh, he had me. Thank you, really seriously, brother. That means more than you know. And uh, 
that's that's one of the reasons and things that I love about what you do. And I know that you have your struggles, but you know, I think you're really doing that. You're cutting it in half for people and the, the you're just helping the pizza pie get bigger for them, man. I love pizza. All <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Some sausage, a little pepperoni, some olives. Damn it. All right. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I'm, I'm flying out there because I heard Boston pizza is badass. A buddy of mine, Matt Gannum, that lives out there. Uh, aftermath treatment center. Good guy for you maybe to talk to, but yeah. uh yeah, he's like pizza's bomb out here. I'm like, shit, I gotta get yeah, out there. Yeah, the Northeast knows how to make that pizza. Connecticut's underrated. New York's like what you get, but yeah, Boston pizza's really good. You get a lot of like uh Greek pizza, which is like kind of thin, good cheese, good sauce mix. Um mm. I'll tell you what pizza I can't mess with is uh deep dish from Chicago. It's like if if it's like eating a meal, and I don't yeah. want I don't want that. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not a deep dish guy, man. Give me a Too good much. thin thin crust. When I went to Italy, it's like it's almost like paper thin and it was magical. Yeah. It's like, holy shit. Um, what was he going to say? Oh no, I'll be like, kind of like your sponsor and I'll have you send me two photos a day of you crying. Well, it's, we got light and dark and I, I feel like just laughing now, but changing to a serious subject, you dealt with some sexual abuse. Like you said, sure. Do you mind talking about that and the story behind that? Sure. Um, my my parents owned a trucking business. Very, you know, um, uh, flashing back and to share something, you know, like on my parents. But, anyways, they employed a, a big variety of people when that wasn't. I mean, I looking back, it was it's a weird childhood because there was a lot of racial slurs flying around from everybody, mm-hmm. uh, whether you're black, Asian uh hispanic whatever it was back and forth uh you know different day and age but my dad really put different people in positions that maybe others weren't at that time due to due to race but uh yeah there's a guy that 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 worked for my dad uh not for very long obviously a very sick individual himself i'm sure he went through molestation but kind of buddied up to me whatever reason and i was out playing behind the shop and um yeah he just decided one day when he's out there that you know he was going to tell me uh, how to how to pee like a man, you know, out here outside. And in that situation is when he started to fondle me. And, um, yeah, fortunately, it only happened once, but he definitely um, put that. Now, don't tell anyone this is our little secret because somebody will, you know, I don't want to have to hurt anyone. Um, how old were you? Seven. Between six and seven. I don't remember exactly. Age. How did, um, did you go and tell somebody? No, Mm-mm. no, that must have been a tough feeling as a little kid. Did you like, yeah. did, you, did you know what, what was going on at the time? <sighs> like, this is wrong. Yeah, it, it, it left me a feeling of, and I think you'll hear this with a lot of people that go through sexual abuse that, and so many of us turn to drugs and alcohol. Um, I like, it made me feel dirty. And then it made me, especially coupled with the porn, when I did have my first sexual experiences and really kind of carrying through, that it was always something dirty. There was something gross about me that, um, oh my God, this woman will eventually figure all this out. I mean, I was really good about lasting about two years in relationships and then segueing to the next one. Um, So yeah. I, I carried that over. I don't think I at seven. How do you contextualize that shit? Yeah, really? You know, it's like someone I trust. Okay. Well, I don't know. Was he, was there something I didn't know about taking a leak at six or seven that maybe, you know, and it's like, no, Mm-mm. this might be a tough question. I'm always interested in this because a lot of people will do it with like, say there's like a killer that killed one of their family members. Do you blame him for what, you had to go through growing up with everything like the porn addiction or like the addiction, like, do you blame him a lot? Or do you kind of like, I wouldn't say forgive him, but is it like, just you're like, fuck this dude, like whatever, like how to like, where are you on that? Cause I find that's interesting with, with both sides. Sure. I, um, I've, I've forgiven for me, not for this person. My understanding he's dead. So there's yeah, no right. point. Yeah. Which, which, whatever, who, who or how it, no, from my understanding, it was alcohol and drug related stuff that, you know, so I'm going to assume he was a sick man too, because healthy people don't do that to, mm-hmm. to children. So, and it was probably done to him. I'm going to guess who knows speculation doesn't matter. 
Um, I think I was angry at my parents for a long time, especially my dad. My dad was the one that exposed me to pornography, um, like literally like, hey, look at this, you know, um, but it was done to him uh, by, by my grandpa and my grandparents in general. My, I loved my grandparents, my maternal grandparents, but they were pieces of work, especially as parents. There's those people's like, holy shit, you know, my dad, I look at him now t- over 20 years sober, such a beautiful man for what he's been able to turn around. Um, so I, once I kind of understood that I was able to forgive my parents, especially my dad. And, and, you know, we've definitely reconciled on stuff and, and talk through it. And, um, you know, the sex addiction and the, 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 you know, thinking that that is love, you know, yeah. uh, always wanting to have the prettiest girl around or whatever it was. And so once I was kind of able to reconcile with myself and with them, I lost the victimhood, but I was angry for a long time, not even realizing it either. Didn't even I, realize how angry I was. I can imagine. How did that come out by the way? Um, as far as discussing it with my parents or oh, like people finding out about that, that guy that molested you. Uh, my dad, I talked to my mom. I've never talked to about and won't because I just know it's a trigger thing for her. She, I I know that it would be tough. You know, my mom did everything to protect me and my brother was an amazing, amazing mom. Other than the codependency with my dad, the the addict, which we saw that, uh, which we get a laugh out of. She'd be like, I'm sorry. I passed that on to you. It's like, it's all good, mom. I had to learn. Um, but it didn't really come out till I started talking about it on the podcast. And it really was when some, I, I believe other guests started to. And eventually I was like, okay, I could talk about this. And I will in meetings too, you know, if it's, uh, if it comes up or, a, you know, if there's like a sidebar, somebody wants to talk to me, I'll throw it out there. Cause you know, but we don't need to feel ashamed of that. We don't, we were young. We were, we weren't protected. We didn't have the tools, you know, whatever it is. So yeah, for me, it was just get it out there. I feel better about it. Yeah. It's like when you get stuff off your chest. It feels like, but how, like, how was that anxiety? Um, it just flew out, man. I'm trying to remember who it was that we were talking to. I think it was another gentleman who struggled with porn addiction and went through it. And I just said, yeah, me too. But it was a guy, not a woman. Him, it was a, like a babysitter that was very verbally and uh physically abusive as well as like how shitty was that like just like hide all this and, and you know uh would bathe him like he would come home from school and she would just bathe him and like overly you know yeah. fondle him everywhere it's like well, you know no you weren't paid to do this so i just threw it out there and it was like whoa that that came out you know and all right it's out there so someone struggling with addiction or even something like that what are some words of encouragement you can give someone seek help. There's not, you know, I think the biggest thing we can do is hold on to shame. Like the worst thing we can do, hold on to shame. Get, just talk to someone. I mean, you do therapy. I do therapy. There's let's, let's cut this, this stigma and this thing of judgment that just should go away. Talk it out. Maybe look for a support group. Um, because so many, continue to suffer and it will it'll affect your relationships like a motherfucker and i don't just mean you know the ones where you know your partner be it a romantic one but just in general it can really start to affect stuff uh for me it was confronting it getting out helps finally establish some boundaries like with myself like i uh i wouldn't necessarily um i wasn't a cheater but i would def- definitely um What's the word? Um, you know, I would accept being flirted with, uh, flirt back, all those things, you know, intrigue. I yeah. definitely intrigue stuff for sure. Or, um, you know, when a relationship was going bad, coming near the end would start some of that dialogue that, that, you, that I would know how to manip- manipulate towards sexual conversation. But I also found people, they were looking to be fulfilled in that way, which is bullshit because it's empty you you aren't going to get fulfilled by anyone else trust me so um you know talk with people work it out work it out and develop the tools to to keep boundaries with others and boundaries with yourself you know because it's really about how do we take care of ourselves like you know we don't get to blame the other person i don't get to blame 
the the women that I I woke up next to and didn't remember what happened the night before. That was that was me. You know, I don't even get to blame them for me hurting their feelings or whatever it is. You know, this is all stuff on my shoulders. You know, I you know I don't get to blame the stress of of having two kids 13 months apart for why I decided to after work to stay out with my buddies. You know, these are all, this is all the horse shit things that my mind said, go. Yeah, no, it's justified. You, you deserve it, which is the biggest horse shit. Like if you start telling yourself on any, I deserve it. It's like, no, fuck off. Like, (laughs) you know, uh, yeah. So get that help. Talk with people, man. It's, it's easier than you think. I mean, Tim, your feedback, like are some of your sessions hard, but aren't you glad you did them? Some days I don't want to do them. And I go in there and I'm like, I don't really have anything to talk about. And by the end of it, I'm like questioning my life and like crying and stuff and being like, I need to be a better person. But no, yeah, definitely sometimes are harder than others. Yeah. But get the help. There's a, there's tons of people. I mean, like you do, I know you, you guide people towards stuff, you know, that, uh, Hey, I've helped people get into rehabs from from Boston all the way to LA to Florida and probably in between, man. And it's just it's just making the right phone call and and helping stuff happen. We all need help in some sort of way, and we all deserve help. I remember um, Howard Stern. I remember in an interview he talked about he sees a therapist only once a year, and I was like, that's cool because you. When you talk to a therapist, they don't have a dog in the fight. They're just like there to hear it. They don't have any sides to take. And even if you go once, I think everyone should go. Again, I'm not a doctor, but if it comes to getting help, I think it's pretty easy that you should go and seek help. Yeah, and do it Do it with, with total honesty. Like you said, they got no dog in the hunt. They, they, they literally, by law, the hypocritic oath cannot go home and or go out and go, Oh, you know what Jason LeChance did? Let me tell you about this guy. Boy, he's got this problem. You know, they can't do that. So go in there and in the way it works is be rigorously honest. Like, like I, it wouldn't have helped me to go into my, to my therapist and go, yeah, so I'm not doing the alcohol, but uh, yeah, I'm finding kids go to bed. I'll sit up for three hours and, and, and look at porn. Uh, well, do you masturbate sometimes? Yeah. Um, but not always like, okay, you've got a healthy, unhealthy thing here. And, and, and I wouldn't have been able to get talked through that and like, Hey, let's dig into the root. If I wasn't honest, you know, (laughs) it's like, you know, that's how it works. I'm totally different on that with my therapist. The first thing I said to her was like, there is no way you don't talk about your sessions with your friends or family. I was like, you don't, you might not say names or whatever, but there's no way. And she was like, I was like, yeah. I was like, I can definitely <laughs> trust you. I was like, that's what it was. It was like, if you're going to be real to me, I'll be real to you. And yeah. that was that was like a thing I really wanted to know because deep down, I'm like, there's just no way. I'm like, you hear a crazy story, whatever job you're in, you're not supposed to talk about. Like, you'll mention it to somebody. Yeah. It's human nature. But yeah, there are laws out there and they know not to break them because they will get yeah. sued like crazy. But again, there is a human nature behind it that, that I want to think that they tell the story without any like background of who it is or anything which they don't need to it's like if it's a good story it's a good story yeah it's good listen hey george you think you're messed up listen to this fucking guy yeah oh yeah it might help somebody else Um, yeah but i'm with you on that they they i know they do like my last therapist uh i was uh actually had a friendship with him and his wife and i'm like oh i know he's gonna talk to her afterwards but yeah she doesn't she's not gonna judge me either so you know yeah uh, one of my final questions before we uh, end with some fun, what does uh, porn addiction look like? What What is the difference if some guy just looks at porn here and there? Like what makes it a, a what makes an addict of it? Uh, you know, I, from my experience, Tim, it's no different than any other one. You are looking for the next moment that you can. For me, it was the net, be it the next drink or with the porn, the next time that, uh, you can have isolation or look for that excuse. The, the addict brain, we like to look for the excuse. And if nothing's going wrong, a uh, good example is with my sponsor, ran down my life to him. He's like, so you're telling me life is hard right now, but you've shared absolutely nothing's wrong with it. <laughs> you know, yeah. we will sit and we will seek that out. And we're looking for the same rush, the dopamine, the serotonin, the what, you know, whatever it is giving us, the escapism. Uh, all of it. It's, it's no different. I mean, I've heard people, 
from famous people, Terry Crews talked about it. You know, he would literally start at night looking at porn, sometimes masturbating, and then the sun would come up. If you are sitting there and this is an excessive thing, a constant thing, if you are, you're at work, uh, family function, whatever it is, you know, uh, it's something you really, you know, got to take a look at. I mean, my recommendation, I, I, especially younger people, um, with the work that I do in nonprofit, we're seeing where some of the 17, 18 year old addicts we're dealing with are completely impotent as well from their pornography addiction. That's that's 17, 18 years old. And I'm not just talking men here. We're seeing a rise with females as well. Uh, you know, and understand this shit is fantasy, people. It's not reality. Your sex life's not gonna be like that. And it's dangerous because for me, my real life sex life couldn't emulate that. So it became very uninteresting. Uh and it and I definitely think I was probably on that verge of going out again finding somebody at the bar, whatever it was, and and having multiple people potentially. You know, that was the one depth I never went to with my sexuality where it was like, oh, I got Susie in this town, you, you know, y- uh, Yolanda in that town. And, you know, uh, but it, it definitely could have gotten there, you know, because it I became less and less sensitive to it and I had to ramp it up more and more. It was, you know, when we're younger, oh my God, I saw a woman in a thong. Boing. There you go. Yeah. Uh, then it was the topless and it's fully nude. And then, uh, then by the end, you're like, wow, I watched two hours of people having an orgy. What the hell is wrong with me? Jason Lachance with the Knocking Doors Down podcast. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, Knocking Doors Down on Instagram, uh, Facebook as well. Twitter is at KDD Media Company. And then if you want to find me, just search Jason Lachance. Uh, of course, I follow Tim. So if you follow Tim, you can find me in that uh, followers list on there. And yeah, don't hesitate to reach out. Let's, you know, you got something you think I can lend value. I'm, I'm here to be of servitude to the best of my ability. And all the information is in the show notes. If you're watching on YouTube, you can clearly see where to find them. So that's, that's <laughs> all right. Let's have some fun. I'm going to yeah. steal some of your questions, sir, because they were so good. And I didn't get to ask them to you because I was on your show. All right. WrestleMania. Who is your main event? Oh, and that's is anybody, right? Oh, yeah. Dead or alive. <sighs> that's so tough. I would have liked to have seen Sting and although I'm a big Shawn Michaels guy, uh, Sting and Bret Hart in yeah, a main dude. event in their prime, I think would have been just a tear it up badass match. Yep. Now, if you were stranded on an island, sir, what movie and what album would you bring <laughs> with you? <laughs> I'm stealing these right from the KED uh, podcast right now. Shit. Uh, movie, uh, you know, it always swings, but the two that have had the most impact on me are Jaws and Star Wars. I'd probably go Star Wars. Nice. Yeah, because it, it's, you know, it's very much the hero's journey. So it'd be like, all right, if I need to get off this island, hey, Luke went on the trench run he didn't use his targeting computer i can uh you know i can tom hanks this shit and get off this island uh music though um i'm a huge prince fan and a huge motley crew fan people always go fucking really they couldn't be any more different um funny enough about prince i i got into the prince game a little bit too late i don't know why but that song my name is prince and i am funky i love that song so much that that album's dope. Um, yeah. I'm gonna go. Uh, I won't chicken out with the uh, greatest hits. I'll go Prince's Purple Rain. I think that's one of the most brilliant albums ever. And I think Purple Rain is, it's a ballad. It's a rock song. Yeah. It's everything. I think it's one of the greatest you know uh, pop songs ever written. I thought so you I'll go, go Purple Rain. I thought you were gonna go with Now That's What I Call Hits Fifty Five. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Give me the three disc one. Uh, yeah, because I was like, do I do that? Because Prince's Purple Rain and Motley Crue's Shout at the Devil were two albums that at like six years old had a huge impact yeah. on me. Yeah. So That's great. Uh, now let's switch back to a 20 minutes question. What would be your personal theme song then? Coming out oh, to an arena, Jason Lachance comes out. What are we hearing? Uh, Motley Crue's Primal Scream. That's a pretty ripping one. It's, it's, it's really, you know, it's cool. It's like... 
it's it the lyrics play into the primal scream theory that Nikki Six was really digging to into and his uh, recovery, which the irony of looking up to this guy when I was a kid, then he too got sober and meeting him when I was yet sober. And then afterwards, uh, was pretty cool, but uh, yeah, it's just got like that big guitar part. Mick Mars, I think is a genius on guitar and the cool slide stuff. Tommy Lee's big drums and these lyrics that are just like, you know, don't let anybody bring you down. I think that'd be a pretty badass, uh, badass entrance song. I didn't think anything else of you with that. I thought you were going to, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Let's end with this. What are three things you're grateful for today, sir? Uh, let me think. You, what, what did you think I was going to say, though? I don't know. I thought you were going to go with uh, with another Prince song. Oh, you know, I can't think of one that would be, I don't know, Sexy Motherfucker. Come Ooh, out to that, that right? HBK, HBK guy. That would yeah. be perfect. Oh, yeah. Uh, three things I'm grateful for. And you're wearing purple. And I'm wearing purple. Still my favorite color. Yeah. Uh, my sobriety. Um, genuine, authentic fellowship, uh, you know, and that includes like somebody, if they're going like, you're being a dick, that's, that's good. Genuine too, because if you have that trust with that person, you'll actually do a self-assessment of like, wow, am I? And then ask them, well, well, why, in what way? So that to me is incredibly value, valuable. And then, um, man, it's just like, I never thought the third one I never thought like a good home life for me would ever exist. I was never comfortable as a kid. After I moved out of the house, I moved frequently, changed roommates, whatever it was. I never stayed still, was never comfortable in my marriage. Um, and, and now, like for the first time at 44, I have a home. I go home. It's safe. My girlfriend and I, just incredibly honest and open um my kids love being there and uh getting the tears yeah okay there's a second one (laughs) um yeah it's just like i can actually say that and i said that to cassandra my girlfriend i was like i'm i'm home like i have a home and i just never thought i would feel that like safety uh ever and um man when you have that like people don't do anything to fuck that up yeah you're very appreciative, and I'm appreciative of you, man. Yeah, likewise. You got the team. Okay. All right. Well, that's a win. Um, <sighs> Jason Lachance of the <laughs> Down Podcast, thank you so much for coming on. That has been another episode of 2010 Minutes. Let's break the stigma by cracking a smile. I will see you soon. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. If you are feeling suicidal, please dial 911.